we had certain, let's call them role models or examples of other people who have started digitally native brands and how they acted. And so we thought, oh, are we supposed to be like that too? Or what's this relationship like? We've never been in this position. And I think as time went on, especially, you know, about year three, we became very co confident and comfortable about who we were and about how our interaction needed to be, because suddenly it wasn't just three of us, right? There were other dynamics, too, of not only the first two couple employees, but suddenly there's a, there's a team. And if there's any break of all three of us not being 100% aligned, the kids can always tell. There's something to be said for building the company you want. Just ask Melissa Mash who says she never had any doubts about her company reaching its goals. Melissa is the CEO and co-founder of Dagny Dover, designer handbags for a life in motion fusing fashion with athlete caliber function. Coming up, how her husband persuaded her to go to business school because of the network it provides and how it has really paid off. Melissa's incredible alignment with her co-founders and why the remarkable company culture they've built is so important. How Melissa and her team raised $200,000 from friends and family to prove out the business, and how they launched with two products that were merely coming soon. The 1,000-person focus group on the greatest handbag frustrations that shaped the initial products, why team meetings and communication have been a cornerstone of success of Dagny Dover, moving forward when things are hard and doing things you've never done before to make things happen, and the importance of flexibility, good vibes, and calm. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Melissa, thank Hi. you for joining me. Sure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I know over the years, we have just run into each other yeah. at the most random places, especially in the beginning of us both starting our company. So yep. it's nice to see you again after all are. these years. Yes. What were you doing before you started Dagny Dover? So I had a, a career in retail. I was working for Coach Corporate in New York, um, basically from when, when I was an intern during college at NYU, as well as during my senior year there and then starting my career there upon graduation. I was managing brick-and-mortar wholesale accounts, so that was uh, coaches' businesses at Bloomingdale's as well as Macy's, and then I helped launch the wholesale e-commerce channel, which was Coach on Macy's.com, Nordstrom.com, and Dillard's.com, and that was through 2008. And then at that time, I had an opportunity to move abroad. Um, my now husband then boyfriend got a job offer in London, and he really had no interest in going. And I was like, what are you talking about? Of course we're going. And we've been dating for like all of seven months. And, um, you know, my thought was that, you know, I knew I wanted to have international work experience. I knew that that was not something that was common of the fashion industry just to be able to, you know, go work abroad. And that's just something I really wanted to do for myself and develop new sets of skills that I otherwise yeah. wouldn't have had the opportunity to pursue at Coach Corporate. So, uh, so I moved to London and a few months later, coach called me up and they said, hey, actually, we might have a, like the perfect position for you. We want you to go interview with our distributor. We have our first store in Europe and it has a lot of problems and we would love someone from corporate to really go fix everything, manage a store and yeah, work with work with their team. So I was 25 years old at the time and I had the opportunity to turn around this business. Um, it was at Heathrow Terminal 5, a British Airways exclusive terminal 
you know, of course, you have all the longstanding European brands of the Gucci's, the Dior's, the Prada's, right. et cetera. And then there was this Gucci brand that people weren't, you know, didn't really know about. And so reintroducing the brand there, improving the store operations, improving um, the visual merchandising, training the staff, et cetera. And so that's where I came up and saw that there was a huge opportunity for a new brand like Dagny um, because people wanted something that, you know, had a lot of pockets that were really intentional, maybe not just a lot, but just the right ones. Um, and then also they wanted something that looked really good and that didn't have a ton of logos all over it and that wasn't, you know, 500 to 1,000 or more dollars. Mm -hmm. So they really wanted something that was under $300 that hit all of those um, stipulations while also being something that, you know, the, the design sort of spoke for itself. And so that's where I saw the opportunity for a brand that has now become Dagny Dover. Um, but it really was a culmination of a number of experiences in retail that kind of led to that moment. So when you had that realization, what did you do next? I decided, um, again, my, my husband, who's like, you know, my conciliary, he's like, don't be like me and, and not consider business school until, you know, you're not really like the prime age where they really like to admit students and really consider it because I think it could be great for you, especially if you want to start a business, which I always knew I wanted to do. And he's like, you know, the network that it provides and the fact that I didn't have formal business training at the time would be really valuable for someone like me. And I really took that to heart. And I was like, you're right. And I have to go like, this year. So, you know, I quickly, I have to, like, there's just not time to wait an entire, you know, like 15 months. So I just had to get everything done really quickly. And, um, I really wanted to go to Wharton because of its focus on entrepreneurship and retail, uh, Obviously, at that time, it being 2009, they also had some really exciting startups that were coming out of there, too. And so um, quickly did everything I needed to do, moved home and, and got ready to go back to school. And did he come with you? Uh, he, he, you know, we'd see each other on the weekends, but he was in New York um, for the most part. But yes, we all moved. We all moved <laughs> home together. And this was definitely the next step of like, you know, me starting a business. We knew I was going back to school, too, whether it was this or something else like I had always wanted to start a business. This was going to be the best way to do it through a network. Did you start the business while you were in school? Yes. Or okay. Yeah, yeah. So I actually went back to school and I actually became obsessed with another business idea and started pursuing that first. And then I realized it wasn't the right one for me. It was yes. a little bit more technical. I'm definitely not a technical person. And so about you know three months later or so, I was like, okay, I'm definitely moving yeah. forward with the bags, started doing the focus grouping, started doing the, um, you know, the serving, et cetera, started looking for my co-founders, et cetera. And so the beginning of 2012 um, or the begin beginning of 2011 is when I started doing all these things, visiting factories, you know, trying to do this one woman show thing. Um, and then in 2012, I had finally found my two co-founders and we started to hit the round, hit the ground running together. Did you, you were still in school or you yes. graduated by then? So I graduated in May of 2012. Okay. So we started working together officially, the three of us, the beginning of 2012 um, through an independent study at Wharton, a professor named Professor Bell, who's one of our first investors and advisors. And he has been you know, an advisor to an investor in Warby Parker and Birchbox, um, et cetera. And so under his guidance, we sort of started a lot of the basics of the brand from the name to the pricing to, you know, all of the who we're going after for a customer, et cetera. How did you find your co-founders? So Deepa is our COO, and she and I have been friends since 2007. Uh, so she happened to be one year behind me at Wharton. And 
as she likes to tell the story, um, when she was staying at my place to interview, she was like, I was just trying to prep for my interview. And Melissa kept peppering me questions about why I was carrying a longchamp. She's like, you're better than that. Like, why Why did you buy a new longchamp? Like, don't you want something that's more organized and, you know, functional? And um, and then when I got to campus and I sat in on one of her first focus groups, I saw like what she had in mind yeah. and how this was something I really wanted to be a part of. Um, and Jesse, our other co-founder, who is our designer and creative director, she had won the Coach Accessories Design Competition when she was a student at Parsons in, in 2011. So she showed up on my radar as someone to you know get to know. I had been working with a few different bag designers um, on a freelance basis to send to factories abroad. And I started working with her and I was like, oh, she's really good. Like she's she's special. She's yeah. different. And so I asked her if she wanted to join our independent study down at Wharton with a few other women who had expressed interest in, in joining the team and working on this with us. And at the end of the semester, so that was May of 2012, I decided, you know, it's me, Deepa, Jesse, we're, we're the right team to execute this. Great, great. And how does it work when you are, uh, when you find a co-founder who you don't already know? How do you decide who gets what equity? How to put the partnership agreement together? Yeah. So you know, I knew Deepa, but I didn't know Deepa from a working standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but I knew a very good. I had a very good idea of what she could bring to the table because we didn't have the exact same type of roles in retail from where we came from. But I, I had like a part of her job, or and I and I generally knew the the strength and the value that that brings. For Jesse, I didn't entirely know what a designer brought, brought in its entirety, right? Like you can be a designer, you can de develop one thing, or you can have like the full vision. Right. Yeah, I mean, right. like you just don't know the full extent to ha to how involved this person is going to be, or or if they. Um, if they're going to be able to do everything that you hope that they can do. And so really, you know, at the beginning, it was really just testing. Like that um, trial period was really important for us to get to know each other, for us to get to know each other's working styles, and also to, to sort of soften our working styles too so that we knew like, okay, we can work with yes, this, you know? Yes. And it's, it's truly not just a matter of skill sets as we – covered very well amongst the three of us, but it really is a matter of like the chemistry of does this person have grit? Does this person have a tenacity where they're not going to go just because they have another other opportunities to pursue for jobs or otherwise, like, are they going to be in this in the long haul with you? Yeah. So it really was a testing period. Um, it really was a testing period. And then I was able to evaluate, you know, how, how I felt about that and, and have a lot of confidence that this is something that we are going to be in the three of us together for the long haul. How long was that testing period for you? So it was uh, first it was that six month trial period for um, the independent study. And it really was a total of a year before I had a very good idea of like, OK, like, yes, this makes a lot of sense. This makes total sense. Were there any conflicts or challenges in the beginning? There are always conflicts and challenges. Um, I think that. We, I mean, there are a million, especially when you don't have money, right? <laughs> yeah, like, and everything's yeah. really stressful and people aren't necessarily doing what their core competency is because we worked at companies where there were, there was a lot of other help and support. Right, right. Uh, so, so for example, like I was, I was definitely do, I was doing scrappy things that I had never been forced to do in my previous roles because my previous roles had been managing retail relationships and managing teams and we didn't have a team. It was yeah. just the three of us, yeah. you know? So I was constantly doing marketing and finding interns and finding additional free help and finding uh, people to, to buy our products and, you know, test our products and so on. So, um, so that was my role. And then, you know, Deepa and Jesse were trying to scrap together a supply chain and build the product when we obviously couldn't use any sort of 
context that we had from our previous lives because this is very different when yes, you are a yes. billion dollar multi-billion dollar company or what whatever versus when you are a three-person company and and what sort of access that you have so it really was truly us all pounding the pavement um and again not necessarily all of us having you know, exact expertise in something. But the point is that you don't really need to have exact expertise. If you are someone who can figure out things and, you know, then you can navigate any situation. Yes, yes. And I remember, I think I was on a panel with you at the NYU mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship Club, something exactly like that. Exactly the Maybe kind of stuff was I was in, doing back Yeah, <laughs> 2012 or 2013. Yep. It sounds like we started around the same time. And I want to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, you had one, you launched with one type of product or you had two? It was two, but at that point when we met, it, you may have only seen one, depending on what was going on at that moment, especially if it was 2012, 2013, we did have both. So we, we launched with what today is known as the Legend Tote. So it's on our site. It's part of our Cody Canvas signature collection. It holds up to a 15-inch laptop. There's a particular sleeve for that. There's a water bottle holder there. There is... um a key strap. There are specific places for iPads, for notebooks, for your work ID, for your phone, etc. cetera. Uh, and so that's what you still see on the website today. And then the other style that is also some version of is on the website today is called the Essentials Clutch Wallet. And that was really meant to be mm-hmm. a day to evening piece that would live in your bag. So, you know, you can co-check your bag. You could leave it at the office, but then you have your Essentials Clutch Wallet that already has, of course, your cash, your cards, your ID, your uh, keys are clipped in there. Your lip gloss has has a place as well. You just have to grab that and go. So the idea was really being a, you know, one-stop shop solution for, uh, in particular, a woman to have all of her things, her essentials in one place. Yeah. I remember being so impressed by just the organizational functionality of of your products early on. Um, How did you know, like how many to make on day one? Where did the money come from? Yeah. So we had raised about 200K from friends and family in order to prove out the business. And we Honestly, what had happened was that we had surveyed and focus grouped a thousand women and men to hear their biggest handbag frustrations. And we had a very good idea of, in concept, the elements that needed to Mm -hmm. be taken into consideration in building the bag. Like it needed a laptop sleeve. There needed to be a water bottle holder. But the exact specs in which, hey, I carry an algae. I carry as well. I carry, you know, like different size, uh, different width type of product to consider as we build. Same thing with, hey, I want to get this bag over my shoulder when I'm wearing a heavy winter coat and have it not catch on my elbow because that is annoying to me and, you know, a point of friction. Like, yeah, that's a really good point. Okay, we have to make sure that the drop length is adequate for most people to do that easily. So we had to gather a lot of that information. Based off of that, we had built a really healthy following of people who wanted to stay up to date with what happened. And then as soon as we launched, we didn't have anything produced yet, but we said, this is a pre-sale. Here are the two styles. They come in six colors each. Would you buy it? Go. And based on you know people's response and what they purchased or pre-ordered, we were able to hit go with, with our factory here in New York and and you know uh, put put those items into production. So it really was trying to mitigate as much risk, inventory mm-hmm. risk as possible and trying to really use real actual data and, and sales before we invested too much into it. Because 200K is not a lot of money when it comes to a yeah. really expensive product. Like our, our bags cost a lot to make versus like an average bag because of the uh, additional material required to have all of those additional pockets as well as the additional amount of labor that goes into all those pockets. And how did you come up with the name? Dagny is a Nordic word for New Day and Dover is Jesse's last name. 
my partner, Jesse, who's our creative director and designer. So, you know, we really looked at our at our brand as a new day for what people should expect yes. out of their products, out of their services. You know, we live in an era where people are using Uber and Lyft. They're using Amazon Prime. They're reading the skim. They want to hack their day. They want to have something that's smarter and better and faster than the status quo. They want something that multitasks for them. And in the in the same way, you know, bags should be the exact same. It shouldn't just be arm candy. It shouldn't just be something that's got a lot of pockets. It really has to do all that and more for you. So when you decided that you wanted to launch with six colors, two Mm -hmm. styles, what was the initial feedback and what did you do with that feedback? Immediately, we we really sold out. Um, So we knew what we could physically produce in New York City based on our factory's capacity for that whole year of 2013. And very quickly, I think it was basically by the beginning of November, or maybe it was mid-October of that year, we had we had fully taken up their full capacity through holiday of that year. And we knew that we couldn't mess up holiday shipments, and we had to stop taking orders. So, you know, the feedback was really, are people going to put their money down? That's the feedback, right? Yeah. Like, is someone actually willing to spend it? And, uh, you know, it was priced in the mid-200s for the, the tote. The um the clutch wallet was priced at one twenty five, which it's priced at today as well, and people felt felt that it, the pricing was really appropriate. We knew that the pricing had to be under three hundred dollars for the tote, but at you know two forty five or two sixty five or whatever it was priced at that time, it needed to be you know a good chunk of change below yeah. what the expectation was in order to compete with what people were buying at the time, which was you know a Kate or a Coach or Mark Jacobs yeah. or Michael Kors or or whatever, and so there needed to be an additional reason why people would try a name brand that they a brand that they had never heard of, um, in addition to obviously of course the functionality that that we had. And then how did you get the word out in the early days? It really was through word of mouth. We frankly just were never a company that raised a ton of money. So even after we did raise our seed round in 2014, which was again, not a lot of money, we didn't pump, we didn't put any money in marketing until 2015, like mid-year 2015. Uh, so we really relied on word of mouth. And with something that's really cool about bags, and I guess our bags in particular, are that people really are a walking showroom for our products. Like if you meet someone who has one of our bags, you ask them if they like it, you ask them if other people have asked them about it, they're going to be yeah. like, oh my gosh, I sold five to the women in my office. Someone stopped me on the train the other day. Like they'll, you know, they'll, they'll tell you these stories and also they'll open up their bag and show you the water bottle, where that is, and the key strap, yes, and yeah. how the laptop it's so there's a natural word of mouth element to our brand which is really awesome and even today half the traffic that we see coming to our site comes from direct traffic of people typing in dagandover.com not through other you know paid channels or, or otherwise so it's always been very very strong i'll tell you there are three women in our office who who carry your bags every single day uh, i think so i'm definitely one seeing it yeah. everywhere yay coming up getting past a ten thousand dollar mistake building a team and a surprise you and i both know that starting a business is not as glamorous as it sometimes looks on instagram and it can also you know really be a challenge to even maintain a personal life when having a business have you experienced that um well i'll say that you know in particular, the first few years of the business were incredibly grueling and taxing, just the threat of not being able to survive, you know, and really having to make sure that you can continue to 
to fuel the company through sales and, you know, raise money and all of that. Uh, at the beginning in particular, it was really challenging because both Deepa, my partner, and myself, we both had personal sort of family health things going on in our family where we had to be there for other members of our family. So yeah. I remember distinctly, you know, being in L.A., dealing with a family, um, you know, sort of medical thing while I was – it was my birthday. It was my birthday. It was February 24th of 2014. And I woke up and we had um, met um, uh, who and the – angel investor who ended up leading our seed round and he had pressed go that day in informing his whole network about us and as a result, you know, we ended up being oversubscribed for a round by 2x. But it was a great day that suddenly after, you know, patting the pavement for so many months of, you know, just asking anyone for, you know, 10k or some amount of money that suddenly we had, you know, dozens of people writing us saying that they wanted to participate in our round. And then it was really up to us as, as to who we decided to bring in. And all of that happening at that one crazy moment is just sort of an example of, you know, how crazy it is at the beginning of trying to be everywhere for everyone. You know, I think something that's really important to my co-founders and I is that we started our company because we really wanted flexibilities for our lives in terms of being present for our families and um, and being more free. And that means, yeah, we should be able to go and be there for important, you know, important events. And so it was important that we didn't ignore, you know, the things that were going on in our families and that we were present for them while still continuing to, to really work through and, and get this, get that deal done and move the business along. Did what was going on with your family pull you out of the business for a long time? It didn't, but it, it made me travel quite a bit. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was fine. And we have always managed through anything that pulls anyone out of the business, you know, at all. Um, I mean, I had a kid three years ago. And of course, I was the first person in our company to have a kid. And so, you know, we were navigating that. And what are the new norms for that? But again, the reason why we started this is so that we can do these things, yes, on, yes. you know, whenever they come up or whenever the timeline is that we, we want to do and we just work through it. Uh, I guess what were the benefits to, um, I guess, having that flexibility while being a first-time mom? Yeah, I mean, did you it know, change your schedule at all? You know, I think something that was really important to me was that as a young person working in a corporate environment prior to Dagny, I had seen a lot of behavior where you know you're expected to be somewhere at eight thirty, and you're expected not to leave until six p.m. Even if it didn't necessarily make sense for your role or for what you were doing, or for the fact that you can absolutely hop on later on, and you know it should not be a problem. There were just certain inflexible, um, you know, pro protocols or, or policies in place, and that was something that I think my co-founders and I were all really averse to. That we really didn't want to. We didn't believe in just FaceTime for the sake of FaceTime, but we really trusted each other to get work done at any point in the day that it makes sense because sometimes, frankly, if you're talking with factories, it makes sense to be on late at night versus, yes, you know, early yes. in the morning, et cetera. So uh, just the fact that we could be ourselves and not feel judged and not feel like we had to be working certain hours or be wearing certain things or doing anything according to anyone else's rules uh, made, of course, pregnancy and um, child, you know, childbirth and postpartum life with, with, with a kid a lot easier. Um, but, you know, I definitely brought my my son to meetings when he was like a month old and just had him with me yeah. while, you know, while we were talking, you know, had, had company meetings because you, you don't want to miss out, but also yeah. you shouldn't have to leave a kid at home too. Like we have yeah. these flexibilities yeah. where this is the new norm, you know, that. and it's not just for founders. Like there really has to be flexibility in the workplace period for families yes. and certainly not just moms. It's, it's, it's really going to happen on, on all ends. And um, was there a point in time, and you kind of alluded to it, where you were really stressed out, you know, running a business is um, 
challenging, especially when you have a limited amount of money. But there was, was there a specific point in time where you turned to your co-founders and were just like, I don't know, should we go do something else? Never. Never. It was... You never had any doubts. No, I never had any doubts. Um, Did your co-founders ever come to you and be like, I think, uh, think I think there were times that were hard where it's like, you know, there, th- you know, there were thoughts of like, I don't have to, I don't have to do, I don't have to do this with my life and I don't have to subject myself to yeah. like really hard days of feeling like I'm getting punched in the face every yeah, single day and being yeah. told no every single moment. But at the end of the day, it's, this is our dream. We've yes. always, this is what it is to you to work for yourself. It's not supposed to be glamorous. You know, it, at some point success hits and, you know, things get a little bit easier, but it's always supposed to be hard. So, um, you know, I think that we were all maybe a little also too proud to ever even consider it, you know, not working out, but we were really hungry for it to succeed. I think that we're, we're not people who have like ever given up on anything. So for this to be a very public giving up, like we would just never, we would just keep going. And there was also just so much traction. I mean, what was happening despite us not spending any money on marketing. And then once we did, like it was actually working Um, and it was working so so much actually. So that actually a year after Instagram had started Instagram advertising, they reached out to us and they were like, Hey, we'd like to write about you. Um, We'd like to write a case study about you for a one year anniversary of advertising. Cause you actually, this image that you have here is the highest ad ROI image across like millions millions of brands on the, on the platform so you know like seeing all of that little traction from whatever i guess it was like 2016 on we really started to see like wow this is really awesome we had also won um the wharton venture award back in 2013 when Deepa was still a student at um at uh wharton and then we had also become the first mba company funded by first round capital's dorm room fund so you know like all these little yeah, points of like yeah. okay people believe in us like we can yeah. do this and i think we we're also just so motivated to not fail our investors you know these are people a lot of our friends and family but also these are people who just really believed in us and what we stood for and what we were producing and the the confidence and the competence that our products make people feel prepared showing up to a meeting or running around town you know we really wanted to succeed for our customers and what we felt we were adding to the market was there a particular moment that you know, you, maybe you were walking down the street and you saw several women wearing yeah. handbags where you just felt, wow. It okay, never gets old, is, honestly. This, I, I, this is a success. I'm really proud of what I've done. Was there a moment like that? Yes. I'm sure it happens there's every so, day, honestly, but what was the first? Because so you described that first I, I remember, moment where you were like, I do remember. This is, this is this is it. I think it was early 2014 and Deepa Jesse and I were coming from a meeting and we were uptown and we passed by someone carrying what is now the midi, the midi tote. And we totally freaked out in front, like to her in front of her. Like definitely it was like too much. Um, but that was the first time, you know, the three of us being together, the first, you know, it was early yeah. on in the business. Like yeah. it was just a really exciting moment. And actually now our company is still really small. It's 17 people, but we have a Slack channel and one of them is called, um, Dagny on the street. And so whenever anyone sees it on the street, like everyone just posts because it's still yeah. exciting. You yeah. know, for all members of the team that like, it's out there in the wild and ooh, that's a color that was so rare and like yeah. that's awesome that, you know, this person bought it and all of that. Like it never gets old. And we hope that we always have that spirit of this is really exciting and really amazing that people are buying their hard earned money on something that we made, you know? So yeah, that that really definitely adds to our culture. Yeah, I'm sure of gratitude that's a, and, and happiness. Um, an incredible feeling. Uh, you mentioned that you have 17 people on your team now. Outside of your co-founders, 
What are the roles that exist on your team? Who was your first hire? Mm-hmm. So our first hire was um, at the time his his title was the director of business intelligence. He is my friend from NYU undergrad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not why he was hired, but that's how that's how that that beautiful relationship happened. And his background was in consumer insights. And it really wasn't in, you know, data per se, or in um, now he manages our advertising part, our uh, digital advertising partner. But he really grew into the role where, you know, it, it made a lot of sense for him. Um, as he likes to say, his dad is a is a, um, is a CTO and his mom is um, like a designer like a um like clothing and lingerie designer and so he always grew up with magazines like vogue as well as like you know like nerdy types of magazines as well and he's like this is just like the perfect combination of what i want to do and what i want to build with you guys um so he was our first hire and a very important one because we always believed in very much tracking the data from the get-go and having really clean data as much as possible so that was our number one hire and then we had um a second hire who was much more on the uh, marketing end and sort of brand brand management type of end because Jesse's only one person and to do all yeah, the creative, yeah. it definitely takes more help. Do you do all of your marketing in-house or work with other agencies? Uh, beside from our advertising agency, our, advertising, our digital advertising agency, besides them, we do everything ourselves. We have a few freelancers that we use for like photography or you yeah. know, stuff like that. But really, everything is everything is ourselves. I know you didn't really invest in marketing uh, until you know a few years in, but is there a particular campaign or initiative or tactic that you're really proud of? Oh, you know, um, aside of the Instagram. So ad, yeah, so I say I say last year was a really special year for us. So our spring summer campaign of 2018 was called "Love Is a Superpower." And, you know, there's so much stuff going on in the world that was so negative and that was so not promoting togetherness or, you know, the fact that we're all humans together. And so we really wanted a campaign that sort of had that imagery, that messaging and the designs as well. So it was really bright. It was really colorful. And we also had our five-year birthday, which was called Dagny Summer Games last summer. And so we really wanted to have like, not a party that was just for influencers or just for, you know, VIP, but we wanted to have a big block party in Soho, indoor block party, because we needed to do that. But for everyone, whether it was our fan base, whether it was people off the street, whether, you know, anyone else. And so it was so much fun. There was a big wall that said blank is my superpower. And people filled in what they felt made them special, what they felt really made them, you know, um, proud of themselves and we had like games and for every game that you played you got a ticket and for every ticket like five tickets you could get like your hair done you can get a manicure from chill house you could get oh, a drink really at the bar fun. for one ticket you could get yeah your headshot you by a fashion photographer for like two tickets you get your career tarot cards read for three tickets so it was just something for everyone you know and so people not only came on day one but they came back with their friends on day two and day three and it was just really positive vibes uh so i think that that was something that was really so exciting for our team like of course, all of our family members who attended like cried because they had been Aww. at our like first launch party. And they're like, this compared to year one is just ridiculous of, of you know, what scale we're on now. Um, but that was really cool. And then sort of piggybacking off of that, we were chosen around that time by Ted, like 
you know, TED um, events to be the official bag sponsor of the TED Women's Conference this past November. So we had our bags and they said, you know, Dagging Dover plus TED. It, it was our medium land and carry on Heather Gray. And we got to go out to Palm Springs and have a huge activation there. It was called To You With Love. And basically this idea is the conference theme was showing up and who and we said, OK, who's showing up for you in your life? Fill out a postcard, write someone, tell them how they've impacted your your life or make a commitment to someone to show up for them and then put it in what we call what was called like the Dagny post box. And then we would mail it out for you. And then we had a big map where you could pin where your where your letter was going to across the world. Oh, so so yeah, so all of this, it was just like such a positive year and so many fun things that we were able to do with our brand. Well, I definitely want to come to the next event. It sounds yeah. like you guys know how to throw a party. <laughs> we're really excited. We're like, we're really good at this. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Um, was there a particular mistake that you can recall that you just learned so much from? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it was 2014 at the time. And we had just been offline for about eight and a over eight and a half months because we had just gotten our seed round in. We were stopping producing in the U.S. because the quality was not at all where it needed to be. And we were switching production abroad. And we were also uh, introducing a couple additional styles besides the initial two that we had started with. And so we had um, we had sort of rushed one of the, one of the bags into production and it hadn't undergone proper testing. And we didn't realize to the extent that that, that had happened because – you don't know what you don't know, right? Yeah, At the beginning, we're producing bags for the first time. And we really relied on one of our um, partners, one of our partners who was overseeing production to, to call out anything. And we sort of blindly trusted that. And it turned out that this new bag that we had brought to market did not have reinforced handles. And therefore, the handles would actually rip off with, with enough strength, with enough you know weight behind it. And of course, we were horrified because we're not a company that can just afford to have a miss like this. How you much know? money did you It actually lose? ended up being only $10,000. Okay. And the reason is because, though, we really went through painstaking you know efforts to manage it with our customer base of being like so incredibly apologetic this is what we're doing first we can absolutely replace it not every single unit was affected so we can absolutely replace it with you know a unit that we know is not compromised um and then for anyone who wants a refund for sure we can you can keep the bag and we'll give you a refund so it ended up being not a huge financial cost to us but the fact that we were only five people at that time like having to then you know do damage control for that and make sure that here we were we had been sending editors this bag and you know some and then we're breaking like it's a nightmare and it it's one of those mo- those moments that can really sink you um but it didn't and i think that you know we weren't rash about it we were really methodical and okay making sure that we are taking full responsibility and we're being really complete in terms of how we communicate this i think is something that we were proud of ourselves for but also knew like okay now that we know what we don't yes. know this can never happen again and we yes. have to make sure that we get someone who's the right person in place to make sure that this will never happen again because this we need someone with a full complete set of knowledge that's what stephanie and i do whenever we we make a mistake okay okay we just tell ourselves like this can never happen again mm-hmm. but we have to be grateful for these mistakes because yes. otherwise we wouldn't, we wouldn't learn and you gotta kind of celebrate them yep. which brings me to uh something that we like to do with our guests we like to surprise and delight our guests so we actually have a gift for you um in your entrepreneurista swag bag <gasps> thank you uh take a look open okay. it up okay what is this gift? The pink thing? Yes, yes, it's the pink thing. And it was based on something we saw on your Instagram account. So something that you posted. Hopefully you'll posted. you'll make the connection. <laughs> this is hilarious. 
This is hilarious. Well, thank you so much. Deepa will love this as well. Good, good. You can put it in the office, oh, put yeah. it at the home. will love this. So funny. Thank you. Uh, yes, and it's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg candle. <laughs> That's um, bedazzled. That's bedazzled. Um, and, and we saw that you had posted about her. Uh, so wanted to She's just such that. a wise lady. Oh, yes. She really for is. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Up next, being in sync with your co-founders and assessing great talent when hiring. Here's your social media tip of the week from Social Fly. This week, I want to talk to you about insights and reporting. It's very important to constantly measure the impact of each and every post that you put out on your social media accounts. I always recommend that you look at the insights that you can get from all of the platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And by measuring the impact of your content, you can see what types of content is resonating with your audience, what types of content is getting the most clicks, what types of content is getting the most engagement, and how many people are actually reviewing your posts. And then from there, you can take that data and those learnings and refine your strategy going forward. And I always recommend that you look to see what other companies and brands are doing because social media at the end of the day is a lot of trial and error. You have to be willing to try new things and measure what's working and what's not. And remember that social media is a moving target. Algorithms are constantly changing. So once you've discovered what's working, don't be afraid to continue to try new things because that's what's going to be the key to your success. I've spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs who over the years, sometimes co-founder relationships don't work. It's really amazing that you seem to have a strong relationship uh, with your current co-founders. Describe how that relationship has morphed over the years since day one. Yeah. So when we started the business, let's see, I think I was like 28. I think Deepa was 27 and Jesse was like 24. So, you know, we were, it's funny because what you need to be in the corporate setting to be successful or like to be a good worker bee is totally different from what you need to be as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So I think that there was a little bit of navigating that between Deepa and myself having come from corporate environments and Jesse really only having had like a year of work experience before, you know, after after design school and, and going into this. So there was a little bit of recalibrating for sure on all of our ends. And also it was a little bit of a confusing time about what we're supposed to be because we had certain let's call them role models or examples of other people who have started digitally native brands and how they acted. And so we thought, oh, are we supposed to be like that too? Or what's this relationship like? We've never been in this position. And I think as time went on, especially, you know, about year three, we became very confident and comfortable about who we were and about how our interaction needed to be. Because suddenly it wasn't just three of us, right? There were other dynamics too of not only the first two couple employees, but suddenly there's there's a team. And if there's any break of all three of us not being 100% aligned, the kids can always tell, you know? And so it's just so important. And we realized like about basically in the beginning of 2016, how much we needed to not only have weekly founder meetings, but we needed to incorporate a lot of just like what is going on in our personal lives to shape our headspace so that we know the lens through which everyone is 
seeing things, interacting, you know, et cetera. And we needed to put some ground rules in place in terms of, hey, if you're not feeling well that day, if you're stressed about something or if something's going on in your personal life, stay at home. And that's not even just for the founders, but it really is across the company. So, you know, there are just a lot more sort of like structure that we put in place for ourselves, which made us, I think, better leaders and have a much stronger culture and a very positive, like always happy vibes in the office. Um, and just a, a lot of gratitude for the fact that we were able to get to this point. And you know what, we can, if we were able to navigate everything in yeah, those first three, four yeah. years, like 100%, we can figure out everything beyond that. So um, yeah, we've, we're incredibly strong, we're incredibly in sync and aligned, and we have processes in place. And we know that they work. And, um, and I think really what's important is, is acceptance. Yeah. You know, like any marriage, it really is a marriage where you are a team, you are partnering, sure. you are not, there is no ego involved. You yeah. cannot have yeah. blame yeah. or judgment. Like yeah. you really have to act like they are part of you. They're the left side of you. You just happen to be the right. Like yes. that needs to be your thought process. Otherwise, it, it's easy for it to disintegrate like a marriage. Like it, it truly yeah. is. So um, I think that there's a tremendous amount of respect for each other as well as a tr tr not even just like from afar, but just like, okay, I know that if I give you something, you're going to, you're going to execute it or you're going to have like the best judgment ever. And I don't have to second guess you, you yeah. know, at the beginning you are second guessing each other because you don't know how the other yeah. person thinks yeah. you haven't yeah. worked together before yeah. and that's natural, but it's great that we, over time that like, yeah, we have grown so strong and, and, and so confident in each other and, and our whole team. How often are you having those those meetings, those well, we, founder meetings? We have weekly founder meetings. And again, like... Is it an hour, half an no, hour? No, it's like three hours. Three so, hours. Okay. So I'd say the first like 30 minutes or so or more, 30 to an hour, is really focused on each other and just yeah. seeing like what's going on in each other's lives. The next hour is focused on everyone else in the office. We talk about everyone to make sure that everyone's happy, motivated, yeah. growing, yeah. et cetera, yeah. anything that we need to bring up and discuss with each other. And then the next hour is like actual business stuff, yes, yes. you know, but like, don't ever underestimate the importance of all of, you know, the first two hours stuff. Yes, like yes. that is where relationships fall apart. Yeah. If you is feel this un on a Monday, it's I'm, on a, I'm taking it's on a Thursday. Here. It's on a Thursday. A Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, people travel, yeah. you know, we all have such do you do this in the office? Away we do from it the in, office? we do it in a conference room in the office, the okay. only conference room that we have in the office. Um, you can certainly do it out of the office too. And, and actually we also started working with the leadership coach just because like, we are going to be growing at yeah. soon. And yeah. while things are good now, like we need to be prepared so that things don't fall apart when we add another 10 employees in the next yes, couple of years, yeah. you know? So we, it's, it's good for us to invest in that and to focus on that at a time when things are stable and that everything's great so that we can anticipate those changes instead of having a reactive type of culture, because those things, you know, yeah. they take a while to really work through and advice. to get new sort of ground rules in place. So we really try to front run any issues now. Do you have different people reporting to each of you? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We have very distinct teams. Um, you know, there's been some over, you know, there's been people who shifted around over the years, but uh, we really try to respect it because we don't want to, we don't want ambiguity. We don't like ambiguity. Yeah, we don't like yeah. uncertainty. We want everyone to be able to be confident about the job that they're doing and yeah. about who to go to for what. Yeah. Oh, this is excellent advice. Um, and then in terms of, you know, you managing different people on the team, um, do you, do you, 
what's the culture like in the office? And I know you said it's happy vibes, but do you yes. have happy hours with your oh, team? Oh, we do everything. Team bonding. So weekly, monthly. Yeah. So we have a weekly meeting on Wednesday. It's an all hands meeting where um, we'll just talk about you know the health of business as well as any you know wins that people just want to bring up uh, and bring to the attention of the entire group. And then one team, whether it's creative, whether it's retail and PR, whether it's ops and production, one team will. Uh, present something that maybe people don't get to see every day to the entire company because um, yeah, there's a lot that goes on that can just sort of fly under the radar, but we want to bring to light some of the more interesting projects and and enlighten, enlighten the rest of the team. So that's what we do. And then um, if there are any birthdays or anniversaries, then we celebrate them through like some surprise stuff. And so we like to, we like to eat and drink. We also then order lunch. And so we always have like a sweet green lunch and everyone puts in their, their order of what they want and it's nice and healthy. And you know, you feel, you feel positive about that. And then we have happy hour every Friday. Um, If anyone wanted to start happy hour any other day, it's not a big deal, but it's just Friday. It's like the the designated time that's like, okay, like, guys like we've had a great week let's you yeah. know let's let's hang out um we also have quarterly events usually the first quarter is um some sort of like we're, we're having like um like a catered like a, a private chef dining experience in a oh, couple fun. weeks so that's q1 q2 we have our annual offsite where we go two to three hours outside of the city we rent an awesome house we have like a awesome activities we just work from there but you know we have massages we got like meditation and yoga we have hikes we have like cool museums we can visit like stuff like that q3 is something else that's in the city usually a dinner plus some sort of entertainment and then q4 is our is our holiday Holiday. party yeah fun fun sounds like you guys have an awesome awesome culture. we have a lot of fun and yes. we have a lot of fun digitally too um as i mentioned like our, our slack we kind of live and die by the slack and of course there's a lot of most of it is about the business <laughs> but then there's also channels that have like hey i'm going i want to go to this restaurant anyone want to come with me me, yeah. me, me, me. okay yeah. i'm gonna make a reservation for, for everyone please rsvp by tomorrow and then we'll go next week or hey i'm giving up these two concert tickets anyone want them or whenever I'm looking for a good dentist, like, you know, if you're yeah. bringing some of your personal life into the office, like all the healthy stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. it makes people feel human and yeah. it makes them truly feel like, hey, these are friends that I work with who I yes. get to spend every day with. It's not some weird relationship where we're not supposed to know personal things about each right, other and we right. can't share and like, a, like we're robots who have no emotions. Like life is full of emotions. Mm-hmm, so, you know, mm-hmm. we, we should be able to share that and show our quirkiness there too. Great. It definitely sounds like you and your co-founders have brought like the best of your experiences to your company and and are all aligned with what you ultimately wanted to to be. So yeah. that's great. Culture I mean, it's got to so be important. fun. Culture is everything, and yes. it's the same thing for how we hire. Like you know, we've made some mistakes in the big in the beginning where we hired people who were very impressive on paper, who you know were pedigreed or whatever it was. Like we had a high level of confidence based on their resume, yeah. and that truly just was not the fit like it really was a matter of like do i like you do i think that you're a capable person do i think you can figure it out and then that those are the people who are the most successful and who who grow with the company stephanie and i have been doing a lot of hiring recently do you have any signature questions that you always ask that you feel are very telling you know we're so careful about everyone that we bring into our business, whether they're an investor, whether they're an employee, someone that we have to work with a lot to do business because one negative attitude or one, you know, just sort of like weird vibe can really kill sort of the environment. Yes. And so with that in mind, you know, we really make sure that we find people who we would want to hang out with and who are really calm and who aren't going to alter the state of 
the energy in a room yes. in any sort of like not even negative way, but just like, ah, you know, yes, like just creating yes, a little yes. bit of anxiety. Like yes. we really want people to feel grounded and mm-hmm. stable mm-hmm. and s- kind of safe. I don't I don't mean that in a way that like violent versus safe, but just sort of just like no worries, no, yeah, no, no, no bad vibes. Um, so we really look for people and ask them situational types of questions and ask them about what they like to do on the weekends and really want to get to know who they are as a person, not yeah. who their work persona is, yeah. not, you know, what, what they're passionate about for work. Like really just, Hey, who are you? You know, yeah. where do you spend your time? What are your values? Um, do you, are you, you know, what kinds of books do you like to read and what types of entertainment do you find funny and all of that? And, is there a willingness on their end and an open-mindedness in meeting people and communicating and working with people who are different from them and understanding them versus judgment? You know, so I think that something that's really important is to find people who are not going to you know, tout what title they had or what title they have yes, or where they yes, came from and saying yes. like, as the blank, blank, of blah, 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 then yes, you yes. should listen to me. That's an incredibly toxic type of attitude to, to bring into an environment, right? Yes. So if someone is very humble in terms of how yeah. they talk about their accomplishments or in terms of how they talk about what they believe in and, you know, they don't come out guns a blazing, that gives us a good sign that they're yeah. not going to be disruptive to the flow and to the calm of the workplace. And I think that really just having that calm confidence yes. is really important in you, everyone feeling respected and people feeling like they don't have to tout, you know, what they are doing or what they've done yeah, or what they've yeah. accomplished. Like everyone is here because they're a rock star and that should be the attitude. Yeah. And if that's ever incongruent, then that person shouldn't be there. So really taking situational questions and s- sort of trying to suss out that. Do all three of you have to interview every person at this stage still? Uh, yes. Yeah, we want to. It's it doesn't have to be. Do you a do long it all interview. together? We don't. It's intimidating. <laughs> yeah. So we we have at points and we're like, we're never doing that again. Oh, no, you've done it before. Yeah. We're like that was clearly intimidating. So we're not going to do that. We don't mean to be intimidating. It's not supposed to be, but yeah. So we're just going to give each other, you know, ten minutes alone with that that candidate. Um, but you can tell a lot too if like someone is is nervous, like. Yeah. Like, we don't want them to be nervous. Like, yeah. we, we want them to be really comfortable and, and confident in their own skin. Um, yeah, so we do still inter- interview each person because it is so important. Yeah. I mean, as I said, like, one person can really impact an entire environment. So everyone for our store, anyone who we're bringing on, you know, on a full-time type of basis gets interviewed as well. And what has your what's your typical day-to-day like now? Typical day-to-day. Um, it's still pretty varied. I'd say that there is a lot of you know, sort of um, communi- you know, sitting on panels and, you know, doing things like this and talking with people and having more of external types of meetings, running around town. Then, of course, there's a lots of internal meetings and making sure that we're all totally in sync. And especially with us founders, like we want to make sure anything that we're communicating to the team is done in a really well thought out process and in order of operations in order for it to be well received and for people to feel totally informed of something. So we don't do anything haphazardly, which means that we just have to talk a lot yeah, um, and spend a lot of time with our team. Uh, so there's a lot spent on, on that I'd say. And then of course the retail partnerships that, that I manage and I manage all of our retail partnerships. So, so that also plays a big yeah. part of the day. Yeah. Uh, and then last question, what does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? You know, I think that it really is a matter of, um, women who are flexing between a lot of different roles and who are doing maybe more than ever in terms of how many facets there are to their day. Um, You know, I think that, you know, from whether it's being a parent and being being a parent or just having family, right? Everyone has family and being present for them, as well as, of course, being present at work and doing good work, but then being present for your your friends and in your community and doing things that make you really happy. Um, 
I think that, you know, we're in an age where women in particular are starting businesses um, at, at an amazing rate. And then also they have everyone has side hustles, right? Like everyone wants to develop yeah. themselves in more than just one way. And, and they really want to be multidimensional. And so I really look at it as someone who is yeah trying to grow themselves in a, in a few different dimensions. And where can everyone find and follow you? They can find us on Instagram, DagnyDover.com, D-A-G-N-E. T-O-V-E-R, as well as on the webs, com, as I mentioned, uh, as well as we are on Nordstrom, Nordstrom.com, select Nordstrom stores. We're in Apple stores, um, as well as Apple.com, but the full assortment is, is back on our site. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. And for your audience, if they're interested, we would love to extend a discount code to everyone. They can use Entreprenista for 20% off any full price orders through July 31st, 2019. Cool. Well, thank you, Melissa, for joining me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I'm Courtney. And this is the best business meeting we've ever had. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. 